Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation, and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favorite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs' chief talking officer. And I'm speaking to you from a country that begins with the letter U and ends with a K. That's right, UK, London, to put a finer point on it. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a startup in the fashion industry, how you can lead with style. Takeaways will include the return on investment of creating a happy business. Secondly, how marketing assets were once shared and now shared by the company we're going to talk about, Fashion Cloud. And thirdly, how legacy code is not a bad thing at all. We just need to maintain it, groom it and look after it. So let's not delay. Let's welcome our guest. So welcome, Florian. Welcome to CTO Confessions. It's great to have you on board. Yeah, thanks, TC. Brilliant. And um, so tell the audience a little bit about yourself. What do you do and who do you work for? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, my name is Florian Klemt. I'm uh, the CTO and one of the founders of uh, Fashion Cloud. Um, I studied uh, computer science here in Hamburg. I'm 30 years old, 38 years old. And yeah, so um, Fashion Cloud is is the a platform that connects brands and retailers in the fashion industry. Um, and I'm happy to share some more details if you want. Brilliant. Yeah, I'm really kind of curious about this. A brief uh, explanation of your journey to this point here. How did you end up in the kind of prized position of a chief technology officer or tech leader? In your yeah, space? I mean, with it, with most startups, you know, we kind of just, you know, try things out and, uh, and that's kind of like how I ended up here. So at, at the start, we really actually had a, a totally different idea and this is uh, maybe also helps to explain a little bit what we do now at fashion cloud because initially we uh, we wanted to create an app that kind of helped you to find things offline in actual brick and mortar stores so the the idea was called look local and you would just open an app and you would find the clothes um and, but you wouldn't buy them online you would actually it would tell you to go to this to the store and then you can try them and buy them there um, and as we, you know, as we got together to, with this idea, you know, um, I was doing all the tech stuff, I was doing all the programming, and we were doing a lot of um, talking to customers. And um, we very quickly found out that that was a big problem because we assumed that um, all the data we need to to show in the app, like the, the images of the, the clothes and the products, that's what the stores the, have that we wanted to connect. So for us, it was just like, okay, we build an app and we connect the stores, and, and that's that's it. Um, but we found out, no, we actually has to have to also get to all the data, the, the images and so on, mm. which we found out we can get from the brands. So now the brands came in and we had to get all the content from them. And as we kind of like got started with that, we, we quickly found out that this is really what the industry wanted. We got a lot of positive feedback on like this, this kind of content database of product images and product data that we were building up. And uh, yeah, quickly realized, okay, we have to focus on something. So yeah, then we decided to throw away the app really it was wow. a tough decision but we really sat down and said okay let's let's focus on the one thing um, um and uh, let's go b2b um let's let's toss out the the b2c app um and really focus on that and be more like the person uh, or the company that connects the apps that might be coming up because of the service we provide brilliant and this is kind of like where, where it all took off and then yeah we this is kind of like i wasn't a tech leader at the start you know i was just you know a programmer a co-founder and we had to learn everything and, and uh, yeah, 
six yeah. years later here yeah, I am at here OTT. you are you know and and from what I've heard and we're going to go into more detail there it's a, a quite a successful story uh to the, to this point um I, I, I'm curious as the the approach that you took in terms of pivoting you know I mean that's quite a big thing to do isn't it and it, and we yeah. all talk about it companies need to pivot we need to kind of readdress them be business business agile so what was that like yeah I don't know it was it was scary for sure um but I think this is also where my I don't know kind of like my personality also my my uh, maybe even leadership style how it emerged later and and also things I learned uh, from being uh, an engineer um really helped because there's there's no point uh you know hiding the truth or trying to avoid the truth it's just like you yeah. know you have to go in and you have to face it and say okay well let's you know let's be brave let's let's make the cut and let's focus on on, on the thing that we believe in and yes that's yeah. what we did yeah so was it quite an exciting feeling or was it kind of like a perilous one I, yeah. or was it like a you know when the you know the clouds open and you hear the sounds of angels it was like <laughs> You knew that's well, the way you had to go. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think this, these things exist really because you, you, <laughs> you don't know at the time that you're going to be successful. Um, but I, 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 for me, it was a really good decision because I felt like, okay, we're on the right track and we're really focusing on, on something. I, I'm not a big fan of doing like a lot of things at the same time and be like distracted. And uh, because even even if you have a lot of good ideas at the same time, I feel like that's also a little bit of a recipe for disaster that all of them are going to fail and, and going with the one that you believe in and put 100 um, percent of your energy into that i think is is really exciting and this is also how i felt at that time i didn't know we were going to be successful but i was really excited that we're going to put all our energy as a team into this this idea it's kind of clarity isn't it it's that clarity of knowing yeah. this is the way we're going to go right now that's great and so Absolutely. we've covered kind of like what your company does um but for the in service of the audience, um, give us an example of what that actually looks like. I mean, yeah. so a, a particular use case. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like I said, so first of all, we are a platform. That means we have on the one side a lot of uh, customers, which are the brands that make the clothes and sell them in a wholesale fashion. To the other side of the platform, which is the retail stores um, that are selling the clothes to the end consumer, such as you. Um, and these end, these retail stores could also be online, of course. Um, it's not only brick and mortar stores. Yeah. And the the big problem is, in, in, yeah, still is that um, there's it's a very uh, heterogeneous uh, landscape when it comes to systems. So every brand has different systems, uh, different ERP systems or different, uh, yeah, like mm -hmm. asset management systems. And this is where we are like the central platform that connects everything together. So we get we connect all the systems from the brand side. Um, we get their, yeah, the images or the data. Um, also, now we also get their stock data from the warehouses. We are connected to the order system, so the retailers also can place orders. Um, but there are many, many different systems on, on that side. Uh, but for the retailer, it's now super easy because they only have one connection, which is us. So they have one API, one um, also web platform that they mm -hmm. can log into, get everything from, from one um, yeah, one-stop shop, so to speak. And, and yeah, this is really the, the USP that, um, that we kind of like um, yeah, deal with this complexity that that uh, our customers, the retail stores, really cannot deal with. They are um, they are big companies. They have a lot of uh, they have a lot of revenue, but they also don't have like it's not their core business to be yes, IT companies. Right. So so they have uh, maybe one per people IT uh, departments, maybe even ten people IT departments. But um, it's it's this is a, a big complexity to deal with. Um, so that's what we're here for to to help them with. I love that. It's like um, 
it's like ironing a shirt you know you've got a big crease and you're just kind of you're, you're taking that crease out aren't you you know for the for their uh, operations and this is great because it's it's seeing a real problem you know i mean yeah, we, yeah. we always hear it you know uh, businesses are out solving people's yeah. problems but you really are solving a problem that yeah, yeah. they were probably yeah. living with for a while yeah absolutely and so we're really surprised that there was no such thing in the industry before even though everyone it was kind of these things um where everyone needs it but no one knows that they need it and this is also where even at the start it felt super exciting to go into this direction and really help the retail stores to do yeah more digital business uh, be more efficient um, finally being even able just to connect to an online shop to set up an online shop um, so because yeah they don't have to do much they have to deal with the software part like mm. which they can do with an agency they can set up an online shop um, and they have to set up all the processes. But then filling that with with life is is super easy because yeah, all the, the high quality images come from us. The descriptions of the price comes from come from us. Um, so they just have to put a price on it, um, and and pretty much are ready to go. So that's that's super nice and very exciting. That's great. I might set up my own uh, online retail store and get, start using it. But I, what I love about this, because um, I, I don't know if uh, this is something that you've used Clearcase or kind of like some check in management system, but it's almost like you want to be working from a, a common source, the truth, you know, yeah. the image that you want to be using, the most updated yeah. version. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is we even have become kind of like the ultimate truth, even for the brands that them themselves right. provide the data to us because we really, you know, unify the data into a common standard. We even enrich it a little bit with finding like a, um, like really simple colors, for example, color tags, where yeah. if they send us, um, you know, like midnight, we'll tag it to blue. So it's, it's even for them, it's much more easy to to make sense of the data um, I love and this, this. Is a yeah. really big uh, thing that we do and this is the great thing about innovation and what you think people don't need or that it wasn't there in the market uh, once you know taking the kind of agile analogy as you move forward more information becomes available and more solutions yeah. become available you know so it's it's great that you've kind of cracked this one open um so I'm going to kind of switch back to you, Florian. Yeah, um, sure. So what's your passion? What gets you out of bed in the morning, bouncing yeah, yeah. out of bed? <laughs> well, usually my son. <laughs> but, um, but no, also in kind of a more context that you mean, of course, is I think for me, it's really about learning. That's right. something that really drives me. It's, it's something that really excites me. It's, it, it has been the whole experience with, with the startup has been a learning experience. And that was really the fun of it i mean there's so many ups and downs and so many problems and days where you just want to just give up but the, the 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 this really this learning experience is really what gets me out of bed in the morning and excited every day even if it was a bad day um and, and this is also what i was really missing before when i was working with, with companies before as, an, as a software programmer as a developer um, i had amazing companies i really liked them um, i had great colleagues the companies themselves were very uh, yeah very modern um we had was a great work environment but this is always this one thing missing like really being able to touch everything to break everything to just you know just do things and, and see what happens and get better and better over time and yes. i think that's true for for the whole organization that we've built with with um, the tech team that i've built uh, it's really a core value also how i hire people um i really don't care so much what they can do right now but if they're passionate about learning and are motivated that there's no limit pretty much um where they can go and, and same for the application that we've built. It's, it's really like making sure we, we learn and we also apply the learning because a lot of people say they are learning, but then if you don't take the time to you know, apply the learning later and fix it, um, then you know, it doesn't yeah. really make sense to me at least. Brilliant. I kind of got a glimpse of your, uh, 
uh, your leadership style, you know, who you are as a leader. And we've had conversations about this offline. Um, so part of your passion is around people and community. And yeah, yeah. this really fits in. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, yeah. what, why is that? Why does that matter to you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's partly also like just my personal, like just who I am. I really like, um, you know, you know, as as you are a leader and 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 you kind of like find out how you can improve your leadership style. There's also these these personality tests you can test take. So, yeah, like finding out that I'm someone that really likes collaboration and and um, and yeah, having everyone on the same page. That's really important to me, which is just in me. Um, it's just the person I am. But I think also what I really value is autonomy, like for me personally, but also for my team. Wow. It's also something that, you know, for example, Dan Pink brings up in his, his book Drive, which I really, really like. It's, it's, I, I, I really resonated with the book. Um, I really um, agree with lots of the things he's saying. And uh, and I think this really like comes also with my management style that I really encourage autonomy. And I, I really, really mean it. It's like I, I like delegating. I, I'm not afraid that, you know, I will be useless one day it's actually what i actively trying to do i'm really trying to make myself <laughs> yeah. useless one day i'm i mean let's be realistic that's it's not gonna happen like it's you know it's a long way but yeah. i actively try to do that i really try to delegate as much as i can um and also you know push people a little bit out of their comfort zone give them a chance let them break something um, um and and really tell them it's okay and you know be curious and be brave and it's going to be fine just do your thing what you believe is, is right and this is Something I I think that uh, characterizes characterizes my management style. Yeah, quite well. like it. It's uh, it it kind of um, reminds me of uh, some of the best leaders I've seen, um, where you know they do really embrace autonomy. And obviously, autonomy comes with risks and some kind of frightening sure. moments because you are kind of handing over. You're trusting people. Yeah. You know? um, um, so I mean, how do you handle that then? So, for example, if there's high stakes and you're handing autonomy yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, autonomy doesn't mean you just like dump stuff on people and just leave the room, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm always there. You know, like people can ask any question they want. Um, they can involve me in anything that they feel like I, I can help them with. And a lot of the stuff I'm still involved in, not because I push myself into and say, you know what, I don't trust you and I need to like look over your shoulder all the time. But people are saying like, oh, we're doing this new thing. Um, and before we take, you know, half a day to figure out why are you. Uh, why don't you join us and have a look? I mean, next week, for example, um, we, we're gonna, I'm gonna join one of my teams to set up like a whole new microservice. We have like, you know, all the, the, the kind of like a scaffold repository around that and, and how to set up the, the database and, and how to connect everything. Um, so they, they, they can do all that and, and uh, very well and we've set everything up, but they said, well, can you please join us and, and give advice and make sure we go in the right direction and don't, you know, um, yeah, get mm. stuck where we don't need to. Yes. And, and this is what I'm happy to do. It's really what I'm, I'm you know, sometimes just taking time for really hands-on stuff um, just so people feel comfortable. And then next time they can they can do it themselves. It's really this, um, you know, it's from another book called Elastic Leadership where um, they define a little bit what does it mean to be um, in learning mode, for example. And one of the things they say is that um, not, all ha not always having the expert do it, um, but let someone, you know, inexperienced do something so so they can learn and it might take a little bit longer but then next time you know they can do themselves and they become the expert at some point that's right so, it's a, yeah it's, yeah yeah it's the saying um is it teacher teach a man or woman to fish 
and they can feed their, you know, it's that kind of essence, isn't it? You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I guess what I also want to point to here for uh, kind of the tech leadership uh, community out there is also to kind of make your leadership easier because actually by letting go, and I, I refer to it as almost kind of like make your life easier as a leader, you know, in some yeah. respects, it actually yeah. creates better leadership because you are yeah. handing over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, the more stuff I hand over, the more other stuff I can do. So it's not like, um, I, yeah, like my schedule is always going to be full. Um, but yeah, really, I think, I think um, encouraging, you know, other people in your team to do the things that only you were doing at some point also is really rewarding for, for your team. And they get really excited about, you know, that they finally are the ones that are doing themselves. And then I can talk to them like, you know what, um, remember all the things that I've passed on to you and all you're doing. So why don't you pass it on as well to some of the juniors in the team so they themselves become the leaders? And, and this is kind of like a, a natural evolution um, that happens in our team that kind of like generations, if you will, yes. um, of, of leaders uh, growing uh, and following one another. Brilliant. I love that. So that kind of brings us nicely into another kind of subject, which sits around your leadership, which is creating high-performing teams. Now, we've probably got lots of tech leaders out there, you know, men and women sit there thinking, you know, how do we get more to, out of our teams? How do we create these <laughs> wonderful A-teams? Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you remember the, the uh, A-team, uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. the TV series. Yeah. So how, how do you do that? And, and, and obviously kind of let the audience in. We've had some conversations around this offline. Um, yeah. But there seems to be kind of a, a happiness element to all this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the, the core for me is like define what is high performing. And I think this is where when you when you talk to some people, especially in, in your own company, you know, for example, with the CEO, also maybe even the CFO, um, they have all these kind of buzzwords going on there. You know, they want faster, they want better, they want cheaper. Um, but I think there's, there's more behind it. Like this, this, this being high performing, um, I, at least for me, means that what I, pretty much what I just said, like everyone's autonomous. Like you don't, you don't have so many roadblocks. Like it's not like everyone has to ask for permission. Um, everyone has to be an expert in everything because these things also don't exist without trying and failing first. So it's, it's about making sense. Mm. You know, like you can, you, can, you can sit in a boardroom and you can talk about all these things, but you have to make sure it makes sense. Right. And, and I think this is also then what creates the happiness in a team that when people see like, OK, you are someone that makes sense. Like you don't ask them to do things just because, you know, you, you, I'm not asking my people to work faster, to write more lines of code because it doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, I want them to to build robust code. I want to build them something that is maintainable. And I don't only want them to be successful today, but also in two years from now, where they have a system that's still maintainable and still fun to work with. And, uh, and that we still really, you know, that does the job well that it's supposed to do. And really fixing the, the, the stuff right in front of you is not successful, or mm. at least not long-term. And, and I think as a tech leader, this is really where you have to step in and make sure like, okay, yes, I know we want to, you know, have this feature ready by tomorrow, but my responsibility is that this feature that was ready tomorrow, we don't have to fix it next week again. Because yeah. that, then we are slow. We might have delivered this feature very quickly in a day, but ultimately we are slow because we have to come back to it and fix it all the time, or it creates other problems, or makes it longer to implement the next feature after that. Um, and this is really difficult because it's a lot of factors come into play, and and ultimately also the people in your team that you know have to be 
you know, knowing what they're doing, motivated to be doing that. And also, yeah, having tasks that make sense for them to implement. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of a saying um, that was mentioned quite recently. Uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Yeah. It, it, one thing that I a lot of times say to my team is like, sometimes you have to go slow to go fast. Yeah, it, which I think it's the very same thing. Brilliant. And um, and also in terms of, uh, you know, coming on to the kind of the people and they, the way they feel within the organization. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a very jovial character, you know, uh, and it's quite kind of infectious, you know. Do, do you kind of employ this um, a lot in your organization? Does your organization have this kind of air of, I don't know, happiness? Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, I would say definitely because when I look into my organization, I'm not, I'm not the happiest, like, you know, we have, we have, we have great people that are all like always happy, you know, and, and actively, you know, um, trying to, to improve, um, yeah, how we interact in the company, uh, you know, our people and culture team, they're doing a great job finding the right people and setting up great events. Um, and these events themselves are not just great because, you know, they cost a lot of money or they're, they're a lot of fun on paper. Uh, and then everyone just stands around and doesn't talk to each other. It's really like the opposite around, like they're not so... Uh, so expensive for crazy and set up, but then they're so fun because all the people like each other and, and have great conversations and, um, and and we laugh a lot. It's actually, and that's actually requirement from our job postings. Um, if you want to check them out, like yeah. we say, like, well, have you laughed today? Um, as kind of like a requirement uh, for for application for for our positions. So uh, yeah, I, I really feel um, we've we've, uh, we've got you know a really nice combination of people that. Um, that like to interact and, and work with each, which, with each other. And, and it's also one of our core values to, uh, yeah, um, to have this kind of vibe that everyone yeah. Uh, yeah, enjoys. I, yeah. And so, so in terms of like the business, I mean, it's great that you've got this kind of social system thriving, you know, because uh, my belief is, is that organizations are social systems with a particular purpose. Absolutely. You know? Um, so the kind of return on investment, talking from a business yeah. perspective, yeah. do you find, um, I mean, do you kind of measure the return on investment? Can you measure, measure the return yeah. on investment? Yeah. On that? That's, a, that's a great question. I believe, I believe not. I'm, I'm sure there's people that can or have, have ways of measuring that. And, and I would like to talk to them because I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great thing to be yeah. doing. But for me, I, I, I don't feel I need to because I really truly believe the return is higher than the investment. And I really see the outcomes. And it, the thing is, it's hard to compare because you can't have your organization run one way and then look at the results and then run the same organization another way and look at that results. You can't only do one thing. You can't have two parallel universes and compare the results with, with each other. So, so you really have to trust that you're doing the right thing and you like the results you, you, you're getting. And that's for me, um, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. And this is why I'm super happy with, you know, I'm happy to spend money on, uh, you know, going on weekend trips with the company um, because I know like, okay, like weeks later, people are still talking about the, the great conversations they had, the, the great games we played um, and, and and really cross team also. Like, you know, it's developers with the sales people and the marketing people and the people on culture team that are just, you know, getting out of their office environment and just, you know, having a good time. And I know it pays off. I know it pays off in motivation, in, in results, in uh, in a retention of, of employees um, and that's all money in the bank uh, and i believe we're saving more money um, than we're spending on these events but like i said this is 
this is this is for me at least impossible to measure but i truly believe it's uh yeah it's it's the case and for me that's a win-win like we are as an organization having a good outcome a return of investment of that and i personally as, as a leader and, and also yeah someone that works in this organization has a great time uh, and a great environment yeah sounds great it's almost like again speaking to the kind of agile uh, it's a cross-functional social space you know yeah different people of different kind of uh, backgrounds different roles getting together yeah. and and breaking down those barriers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, breaking down these barriers is something that uh, big companies spend a huge amount of money on. Um, and uh, another book that I can uh, recommend here is called Team of Teams. Is is also like the core message of this book, or one of the core messages is yeah, break down the barriers, create a conversation, involve people. Even though it sounds counterintuitive, and um, having large meetings within big groups, uh, yeah, are not so effective. But Keeping everyone in the loop somehow, and every every organization does it differently. I mean, Slack. That's I think that's one of the successes of Slack. You know, everything's out in the open. You just you know have open communication. That already breaks down a lot of barriers. Um, it's not it's not the, the the only thing you should be doing, but it's a great start. Yeah, love it. This is great, and uh, I'm interested in how you separate your because obviously being the you know one of the co-founders and and uh, key leaders within the organization. It's kind of blurs a line between friendship and and leading. You know, there's that kind of responsibility. Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you yeah. figure that one out? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, we have a lot of people that are friends within the company, and I also consider myself being friends with a lot of people in the company. But I think, in general, having a good relationship with someone doesn't necessarily that mean that you're friends, uh, like on a like that you hang out like uh, on a personal time. But I think I still think like maybe a lot of people think that you know I don't want to be friends with with my with the people I'm leading, so I have to be super distant with them because yeah. I also don't believe that's true. Like I think you can be very close to the people, you can know what's going on in their lives, um, you can know a lot of personal stuff about them, and they know a lot of personal stuff about me. Uh, but I still go home, uh, you know, to to my family and, and to my friends that I know from from you know 20 years ago and they do the same or they, they meet with other people within the company um so i wouldn't consider myself yeah being like really close a close friend with a lot of people in, in the organization but i would consider myself being you know having a good close relationship um, with with a lot of people and i find it very very important um because i think that also makes for better leadership because yeah i think this having this like professional relationship that some sometimes people say has to be a bit of distant. Um, maybe can be true in some circumstances, but at the end of the day, like you said, it's all, you know, we're all people. It's all like relationships are relationships. Doesn't mean if they're, you know, personal yeah. or, or, or business. And so, knowing what's going on in someone's lives and if they have a tough time helps me as a leader to go easy and say, well, you know what. You know, I understand, and you know, maybe I can share even a story from my own personal uh, yes. um, life uh, to make them feel better, and that's already then uh, lifts up their spirit, and, and maybe even then increases productivity already, um, just by sharing that story. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of uh, it's seeing the it's seeing the human in the human, you know, kind of thing, yeah. and 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 also uh, speaking to kind of um, some of Brené Brown's kind of work around vulnerability. It's around vulnerability yeah. Yeah. Uh, about yeah. opening yourself up, and that naturally opens other people up as well. Yeah. And then yeah. we can yeah. truly kind of see each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I did see uh, the, the TED talk as well, and I, I really loved it. I, I really, that's also something that really, really resonated with me. This, yeah, be vulnerable, and it's it's really an invitation for other people to 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 enrich the relationship 
you have because you're giving you're showing a lot of uh, personal side yes. and i think that's great yes yeah, great and and in terms of um your teams then um we're all living in this kind of crazy covid 19 world yeah. hopefully we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now Absolutely. um how have you found leading uh, your teams remotely yeah yeah I mean, on, on one part, we always had a part of the teams that were remote. We have one developer sitting in the US. We have two developers sitting in, in Kiev in the Ukraine. Yeah. Um, we also have, we have a lot of international people, in, in, especially in the engineering team, um, which, you know, go home to see their family, and um, which is far away. So it doesn't make sense for them to go for two weeks. So they, they you know, sometimes go for four or six or eight weeks. Um, so there's a lot of uh, remote stuff going on, uh, even before COVID. But now that everyone's remote and you don't really have a chance for these, yeah, building these relationships one-on-one -on -one all the time, it definitely makes it a bit more challenging. And um, yeah, having, you know, regular meetings to making sure you see everyone, uh, yeah, helps there. I mean, we have weekly team meetings, like at least do a one-on-one -on -one every month. Um, and if there's something up or if I'm working with someone um, more often than that. Yeah. So I think it's, it's just trying to, yeah, to stay in the loop to find ways to to connect um, also on a company level, doing events, um, doing also weekly meetings where you see each other or stand-ups yeah. um, where you see each other daily. That all helps, but of course, you know, the personal connection is, is yeah. suffering a little bit. And we try to counter that with, you know, kind of like events. For example, like now, like next week we have our, or actually in two weeks we have our six year anniversary. We're gonna do like a, a live cooking event where like a chef on Zoom will tell us what to do and everyone will be in, each, in their own kitchen uh, cooking <laughs> together. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be super fun. And, and uh, two weeks ago we had a quiz night um, and yeah, these, these are like small things, but yeah, really help you connect and have some fun together. And, yeah. and I think that helps a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like you're making a real effort to do what you can, uh, being resourceful in the in the kind of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of um, obviously, you know, these, you have internal teams that you kind of lead. Um, one of the common themes that we find with a lot of tech leaders is that you know mm. you do work with external companies how do yeah. you find that what's your kind of tips yeah. around that yeah yeah that was that was an interesting experience because um for example the, the two developers in, in in kiev so they are officially employed with with an outsourcing company um so we talked to them first and you know they they were like okay we can do this and this for you and we have you know people ready for you like in in, in a week or so and we we're like no like we want to do it our way like we really had to teach them and also other recruiters that we used in the past like our way and the, we were really like strict on that and they were like they were really mad with us because we're <laughs> i mean we're a fairly small company like we're also uh, like we're around uh, you know 60 people and um but we had really like we wanted to do it right or not at all so we said okay now first of all we're gonna make the we're gonna do the same recruitment process we do here which is not super long but fairly long with a you know like a first phone call of coding challenge and then a three-hour interview um, with me and another developer. And they said, well, it doesn't, it's got, not going to work. In, in Kiev, the market is so competitive. If they hear the word coding challenge, they're just going to go to the next company that offers more money and, and no coding challenge. And we said, no, we're still going to do it. And it worked really well. Um, we found the people we wanted to find. I mean, all, all the people that said initially, no, we're not going to do it. They are probably not the people we were looking for anyways. So it was also a bit of a filter. Ah, the people right. that did it, they really like said we really liked it, really appreciate that you take the time. Uh, we provide extensive feedback um, on the coding challenge, so they really appreciated that. So they really felt like, okay, um, you know, we are also making an effort and we're, we're spending a lot of time to finding good people and making sure they fit into the team. 
And, uh, and that's, you know, we found the people that appreciate that. And then we also said, once we hire them, they're not, not, not just going to be the, these outsourcing developers. Like they're 100% part of the team. They get invited to all the events. We fly them over as much as we can, of course, before COVID to be part in all the physical events. And um, they are, yeah, 100% Fashion Cloud team members. Um, maybe they have a different employment contract, but that doesn't matter. Mm. So yeah, we really put our, our take on this and, and said, we want to make it our way. Yes. And it really worked. It worked super well. We're super happy with it. Yeah, I love it. Strength of leadership, you know, and uh, knowing what what you want out of your people and uh, sticking to your sticking to your guns. Um, there's a kind of family element to this. You know, you're bringing them in. You know, they're not, even though their contracts yeah. are different, they are part of your team. You know, they yeah. they are. You know. yeah. Excellent. But it also means mm-hmm. also, to add just one thing. It also means like you, like all the things that people promise to you, they're not going to come true. And to be honest, they usually don't come true anyways. But yeah, like finding people in a week or two weeks. Uh, yes, you can do that. You can find people in two weeks, but then the question is also like, okay, are they the people you're looking for? So mm. yeah, really taking this extra effort um, paid off. Brilliant. Um, um, so in terms of coming on to your kind of company and the technology side, because you're obviously yeah. leading the technology, um, yeah. uh, I mean, what kind of engineering challenges have you had uh, in yeah. developing your stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the biggest challenge is... is um, we have one system. It's not like we're not an agency that builds something and then the customer uses it and then we move on to the next thing that we can build from scratch. It's really like one big application. It's a very big platform that has a lot of connections, has a lot of features, um, has a lot of services, uh, database, everything is quite big. And this has been growing from uh, day one. So six years, we, are, we have a system that we've been working on for six years and uh, um, and the biggest challenge for me and the most important thing for me is to make sure we keep this maintainable. The mm. system is growing, will grow, the team will be growing, um, but we want to have a system that grows with us and that we at any point in time are happy with. You know, it's, there's always going to be parts that um, yeah, are maybe not as up-to-date as they should be, but if, you know, if that becomes a problem, then spending time on fixing that is, is important because that pays off uh, big time later. So yeah, the biggest challenge really is having a system that keeps growing and growing and forever. And so even yeah. in 20 years, I still want to have the same system um, and, and uh, not having to rewrite or, or everything or, or throw everything in the bin at some point. Yes. I, I think this is quite an interesting subject because um, in the, especially in the tech world, we seem to be these kind of uh, always looking for the latest, yeah. greatest, bestest, newest thing, you yeah. know? And, uh, and we forget about, you know, legacy systems. We always want to drop them and start again. Um, yeah. And the conversations we've had offline around this is, yeah. um, you know, the importance of maintaining legacy systems, yeah. the, the investment yeah. that's gone into yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I think especially when you when you read stuff online, it's all it, most of it is all about the coolness factor, right? Like it's the coolest framework, the coolest technology, it's the coolest database, and and then when you look deeper, it's like, okay, it's like version zero point zero five, and and it changes also so so quickly. So then the question is, what do you really believe in, or what do you what do you use? And yeah, I think there's a big benefit in, in systems that have proven themselves, but I also really like modern systems, right? It's also very attractive um, for the people, for the developers, and also hiring new people. You know, choosing Node.js back in the days, that was when I had no experience with it. Um, I had to learn everything, which was super exciting for me. Uh, but I really did a lot of research and said, okay, this is the system I want to, this is the technology I want to build the system on, um, mainly for its dependency management and for its performance and, and great ecosystem. But um, 
it was kind of the cool thing to be doing. And, and, you know, Java and PHP was kind of not cool, but I was definitely considering them and saying, okay, what are the pros and cons? And, um, you know, finding PHP developers is much easier than finding Node developers, especially six years ago. Um, so that was a decision, one decision I, I made more like for the, for the modern uh, uh, take of it. But, you know, other decisions are, are sometimes different, like choosing, you know, like maybe a, a SQL database or, you know, other technologies that are, that are a bit more um, mature. And same with systems and systems you've created. Um, I think there's no value in just rewriting parts of the applications that are working fine just so they are with a new framework or with a new programming languages. I think there's no value at all. When you see problems around, okay, it's, it doesn't get so main, maintainable anymore, or we didn't assist the test spec at the time, and that's why it becomes legacy. I think that's where you really need to um, double down on and say, okay, let's bring this legacy system into a maintainable state. Yes. And it might be old software, it might be old code, that's fine, but upgrading um, you know, the, the maintainability, the, the tests, or you know, if it's a third-party framework, um, upgrade that if it's, if it's deprecated. Because if you don't, then it just gets worse. So, for example, yes. we had to we made the decision to upgrade Node, uh, sorry, Angular JS to Angular. So our whole front end was built on Angular JS. was quite a big front end, and we took time every week, every Monday. It was called Migration Monday. Uh, <laughs> we would spend all Monday not building any features, um, but you know, porting code over from Angular JS to Angular. Um, yeah. yeah, not because it was cool, but we couldn't really need to. It was it wasn't going to be supported anymore. Uh, it was also not very performant. Um, so that upgrade was was really you know worked really well for us. I'm super happy with it, and that we spent quite a lot of time and money on that, um, and that kept our system maintainable um, when it needed to be. Yeah. I love that. I love. Yeah, I think it's important that we do look after as a maintenance is a is a huge missed opportunity. You know, keeping systems running and and as you mentioned, ma maintainable. Um, so coming on to a kind of bit of an odd question, maybe. Um, uh, what keeps you up at night? What's as a tech leader? What's uh, what's the <laughs> thing that you know you you break up? You wake up in a sweat and thinking, oh, yeah. I know, you know. Yeah. Well, usually it's it's our um, our like monitoring alerts. Both like when I feel like, okay, the response time is slow, the database performance is dropping, um, like this, there, there's like services that are trying to to restart, but then they're failing. Um, this is something, and there's like ups and ups and downs to that. Like so, every now and then we have you know a big crash of some sort um, that we really have to like dig in and, and fix something and, uh, and and figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, and then like the the nights after that, I'm uh, you know still not able to sleep because I check my phone every half an hour and say like, okay, did something bad happen? Did something bad happen? Yes. Um, yeah. Luckily at the moment, I sleep quite well when it comes to that. But oh. this, this is one thing, um, but it's also changed a little bit because now, you know, we have so much, you know, so many customers and so much load. We handle around 20 million requests a day. Um, and, but, you know, at the start when, when everything was, was uh, yeah, a bit more like the application was smaller, it was much easier to debug. There were not so many things that can break. Um, but it was in that sense a bit more stable, but what I really struggled with uh, back then at the start is that, you know, I was building the technology that was part of our, that was the basis for our business model. And um, so all the, the, the company valuation that we get from our investors is, of course, not only, but also built on, on, on the features and the product we have and that I've helped build and, and kind of the kind of responsibility and power that comes with that, you know, being the one that has control over all of the AWS resources, including our S3 buckets with all, all our customers' data, the databases with all of the, the user data. 
Um, so with a click of a button, I could, you know, delete everything. Mm. Like all the, all the product images could be gone in a second, or wow. the user data could be gone in a second. Um, so that's the kind of power you have when you have access to everything. And that was something I was really struggling with at the start. Um, and it was a big, yeah, something that I had to get used to. Yeah. Um, the power, the power, yeah. of the, that finger, that return button yeah. on the keyboard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and in terms of your company then, what, what are the kind of growing pains of the company, if there are any? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's always growing pains. Um, I mean, you know, hiring, uh, you know, finding finding more people um, to join our team is, is always a challenge and something that we, it's kind of like an ongoing thing. Um, and then, of course, as the company grows, the company also transitions, right? So mm. um, for me, it's important to kind of keep the startup spirit alive a little bit. And then also, you know, mm. defining what is the startup spirit or what is the thing that we want to keep alive? Because, you know, things have been super hectic and chaotic most of the times. And a lot of people, especially the people that have been around for a long time, they're also super happy that it's not so chaotic and hectic anymore. But then for me, it's also important that we don't, you know, fall into this lethargic or like slow, you know, work mode. And, you know, we keep a little bit, we, we keep staying excited. We keep staying in learning mode and we keep making mistakes. And, th and this is also something I shared in a, in a company talk that, you know, to be able to keep learning and to be, keep being excited, you should keep making mistakes. And, and you know, the, the company is bigger. The reputation uh, loss could be uh, bigger if we make a, uh, if we make a big screw up mm. in the industry. But still, let's not get paralyzed by that. Let's still keep, you know, doing things, trying things, and, and sometimes failing in them, um, because I think that keeps the organization, uh, you know, happy, growing, um, and, and, and healthy. Yes. And, and, you know, trying to avoid becoming this, like, you know, this, this big corporation that's slow um, and, and not so much fun to work. And that's, it's, it's, it takes active uh, management to, to keep a little bit the good parts from the startup. Yeah. world alive while we're of course working to to drop the bad parts of startup life which is you know, you know chaos and, and not yes. so having not having so much resources or not so many people or customers yeah. and so on that's right in fact one of our previous cto guests talked around the company being too agile you know it's great when we were a startup yeah. but we need to kind of get that stability in place now because it's uh, the yeah. chaos um can only work so far you know uh, so exactly that's that's quite interesting to hear. So as we're kind of coming towards the arc, end arc of the kind of podcast together. Um, yep. So you've mentioned some books. I was going to ask you a question yeah. of what books do you recommend? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can repeat some of the ones I already mentioned. So for example, Drive by Derek right. Pink is a, is a big book on motivation. Um, really what motivates people. Um, he, he points it down to three aspects, which is uh, mastery, um, autonomy, and purpose. Um, yeah, great things to be you know, thinking yes. about anyways. Um, but of course, he puts it a bit more. It was a very, um, yeah, scientific uh, context. And then actually, when I read the book, I found a, I think it was in this book, where I found a reference to another book. And this really become, has become a, uh, a big book that I, I really love and recommend. It's called um, Finite and Infinite Games. And it's really about this 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 comparison. It's, it's, it's a bit, um, it reads a little bit like a master thesis. It's, it's not very nice to read, but at the same time, it's also not very thick. So you should get through it, it's fine. Um, but it really like explains on a very high level the differences between kind of like zero-sum games where you know one wins and the other one loses, so games kind of end, 
and then also all the players in this game, they, their main motivation is to, to stop the game whenever it's good for them. Mm. Uh, so that could be relationship, it could be business, um, it could be anything. And then on the other hand, it's like these infinite games that you know keep on going forever. And they, the only reason why they keep on going forever is because the players um, are actively contributing and, and collaborating to, to have... Yeah, to, to prolong the game and to, to add something new and to make it exciting again. And, 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 and this, again, like applies to all, all facets of life, you know, yes. uh, especially relationships. So, so that was like a really, really nice book that, that opened my eyes uh, to a lot of these topics, which I can highly recommend. Excellent. That's good. I'm going to add that one. I've not read the uh, Infinite Games. Um, I have read Drive, and I thought that was fascinating because it is a drive or a, um, a motivation is a very yeah. fragile uh, creature, you know, so we yeah. have to kind of nurture it and look after yeah, yeah. it. I, I found the one, sorry to, to add one thing to okay. this book. I, what I found really interesting is, is the part of in, intrinsic with this extrinsic motivation and that you can really damage the, the, the motivation and performance of your people by, but sometimes by giving them a bonus. It's, it's, it's fine yeah. to, to, like a lot of people will laugh now, but sometimes you can lower the performance by giving a bonus to people because they will just think, well, now I'm just doing it for money. So now it's kind of stopped being fun. Yes. Uh, whereas before it was, I was learning something, I was exciting. So I was really motivated to do it. Yes. Um, and, and it's really good to, to, to know how this whole works on a psychological level. Yes. Us humans are amazing, aren't we? We are so, yeah. we're so crazily, fantastically, amazingly uh, oh, yeah. complex. It's just, you yeah. know, makes your mind boggle really, doesn't it? Absolutely. And so now I'm going to take on a, I'm going to put on my genie outfit. Okay. So if you can imagine I'm a genie, I'm going to pretend to yeah. be a tech genie, make a wish. Yeah. What's your wish for your leadership, your industry? What is it? What would make your life or your team's life easier? Yeah, that's a tough one. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, our main mission is, is to, to, you know, have a really healthy and happy wholesale community. I mean, that's what we call the, you know, this community of retailers and brands. And, and so this is something where, you know, that's something that I'm actively, you know, contributing to and, and trying my best to, to do that. So I think really like a really diverse world where, you know, shopping itself becomes, I mean, it's a very, very like big part of our lives. And I think it always will be. And I think having that, you know, be having a, having a positive effect also in terms of, you know, um, like how things are produced, like the working conditions, um, you know, climate change, like the, the, how much CO2 is, is emitted. Um, so it's really important topics. It's also for us as a company, actually for like the, for 2020, we've now offset all of carbon emissions. So we're now officially a wow. you know, carbon neutral company, which is, which is amazing. Um, and, and, and I think having this, this, this really, com this community that, um, you know, that, that also embraces new ways of, of doing things, you know, having like this multi-channel view, like, you know, you want to go to a shop, but then you maybe want to, to get stuff shipped at home and you want to be, you know, that should be integrated into your social media. So like having like this really fluent integration of everything that for, for you as an end consumer, you can really have a good relationship with, with the brands and the shops that you, that you like and, and, I think going, especially in Germany, like going away a little bit from the, the, you know, traditional, like, okay, you have to go somewhere and you can't, you know, shops are closed on Sunday and, you know, like, you know, there's opening hours and all these things are, I think, ready for an upgrade and, and just moving everything to online stores is, is also not the answer mm. as well. So I think the really healthy mix of, of everything together is something that I, that I really wish for, for our company to achieve and, and for the industry to, to become. Excellent. 
Beautiful wish. I like it. And and to end our time together, unfortunately, I, I love listening to you, uh, Florian. Um, what's your kind of key takeaway for the kind of tech leaders out there, the men and women uh, in yeah. similar roles to yourself? What would your yeah. key takeaway be? Yeah. I would say, you know, be brave and be honest. Like really ask yourself, why are you doing the things you're doing? And, and you know, if you, if you make decisions that are about reducing costs, then there's no reason to frame it like you know let's let's try to do something fun here you know <laughs> i think just saying like okay we you know we are in trouble we have to save money let's 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 deal with that uh, i think really this this honesty and, and and directness sometimes is is this can be scary can be uncomfortable and that's why i said like be brave and, and and go that way and you will see how people really uh appreciate that um and and help you where you maybe thought they would you know resist you Mm. Um, when you make some sort of uh, uncomfortable decisions. Brilliant. Love it, Florian. Thank you for your wisdom. There's lots in there. I hope the audience enjoyed that. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again and seeing how your business is doing. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for the opportunity. And yeah, it was a, a really nice chat and yeah, really great questions. So thanks a lot. Brilliant. Wow, that was an interesting look at a startup that's showing great promise and morphing into something bigger and providing more supportive avenues for its end clients. I really like Florian's approach to his people and the way he leads. It reminds me of Richard Branson's advice to aspiring business leaders. They asked him for three top tips and his advice was as follows. People, people, people. I also like Florian's perspective on happiness. In a business context, it's rarely spoken of. Like him, we all know that there is a clear return on investment Happier people means a happier business and a more creative one. So some clear takeaways from the podcast were as follows. The return on investment of creating a happy business means a happy bottom line. Secondly, how marketing assets can be shared in new ways that Fashion Cloud is offering. Thirdly, pivoting in business is a big tool in the business toolbox. And it was clearly demonstrated here when Fashion Cloud did a turnaround on a new avenue that they spotted in the market. Fourthly, legacy code should be groomed, stroked and taken care of and given a manicure from time to time. It will look after the business if you look after it. And finally, and fifthly, maintenance is an important and key part of all businesses. Look after your legacy systems. It's not sexy, but it's essential. Do the right thing and look after what you've already invested in. So thanks again, Florian. I look forward to hearing about your growth as a business leader and as a business. And before I go, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter. URLs for this can be found on this page. We're consistently creating material to create, support and nurture a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about our services at IT Labs, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, Please think of us like tech leaders, favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. That's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a great day or evening wherever you are in the world. From all of us at IT Labs, live long and prosper. Until we meet again on the next podcast.